back to another episode of Public Problems. I'm your host, Justin Bullock, and in this episode we're going to be discussing suicide among veterans. Approximately 20 veterans on average commit suicide a day, um, and this number uh, gives us totals that are sometimes even larger than the number of military personnel who are killed in active duty. Students lay out some of the parameters of this issue, some of the contributing factors, and what we can do to help our veterans and help lower these numbers. Hope you enjoy this episode, and as always, thanks for following along. Welcome to another episode of Public Problems. Today we're going to be talking about the veteran suicide rate. Um, this has become uh, quite an issue in the, uh, among veterans, and we have a group today, uh, again, of Bush School students at the Bush School of Government and Public Service. Um, these students are working on their master's in public service and administration and spent about half a semester um, researching an issue of their choosing, and so this group chose to pick this issue. What we'll do is I'll uh, let the group members introduce themselves so you can put names to the voices. And then I'm going to ask the group to think about, uh, to put this in context for us in the sense of how big of a problem is this and kind of where, uh, how do we think about this issue. So with that, I will uh, give the group members a moment to introduce themselves. Okay, my name is Rocio Caravantes. Leah McKinley. Erica Tillman. Jennifer Peak, Kyle Ford. And so before, um, actually, before we jump right into um, the scope of kind of what it is, why was this issue interesting to you all? You had the kind of choice to pick anything you would like. So is there a reason why the group went with uh, veteran suicide rate? So I think we chose this topic for several reasons. We've talked about veteran suicide rate and how it's changed and how it's become an epidemic in this class specifically, but also I'm a veteran and I've received care through the VA and my goal is to do hospital administration for the VA. Mm -hmm. And since suicide is one of the top killers of veterans right now, I think it's something important to focus on mm -hmm. and to find the reasons and how we can solve this as mm -hmm. a public issue. And everybody else call Erica's passion, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So, um, Erica mentioned that this is a is a is essentially an epidemic. So put this into some um, how how bad is this and how is it? Which direction has it been trending? Kind of give me a little bit of what's what's going on here. I mean, how how bad is this? Uh, well, there are different student studies. Not as many as we could think that mm -hmm. there are, but there are different studies that have been um, collecting information about the rates of veteran suicide. Mm -hmm. um, although they have similar information, the Veterans Administration report is the most accurate and official report. Um, they analyze more than 55 million veteran records. Um, with information until 2014, this, um, this report was released in 2016. So it is uh, it contains very interesting information. For example, if we analyze the last let's see, 17 years from 2000 until now. Mm -hmm. In 2001, the rate of suicide was 18 suicides per day in average. Mm -hmm. From 2002 to uh, 2007, 19 um, suicides per day. 
and from 2008 to 2014, it increased uh, until 20 suicides per day on average. So we can see here that the rates have been increasing through the years. And more, more recent data uh, says that now in 2017, this number has increased 22 suicides per day. Um, that's why it has become a very um, public concern and we can so it's really been i mean it's almost double what was the what was the first one what was two, the 2000 number in 2000 it was 18 18, 18. and now it is it's not, 22 but, but about uh what is that about 20 something percent then yes um, and and the most inter interesting thing about this is that um the total population of veterans have been decreasing and the suicide rates have been increasing and actually, uh, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affair, Affairs says that the total veteran, veteran population is predicted to continue declining from 2,000 million to 13,000 million in the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. So if we see that the rates of suicide uh, continue increasing, we, we can notice that there is a big issue and that it should be uh, substantially more attention to this problem. So it's not the case that the military has just been expanding throughout this time, and so there's so many more veterans, and that's what's driving. Like the actual rate of veterans who are committing suicide has to be going up because the per day is going up, while the total number of, of veterans is is not going up. Exactly, the the total population of veterans have been decreasing, and and the tendency that will continue decreasing in around one or two percentage every day. I mean, every year, yes. So let me ask this. I, um, I don't know if this is something you looked into, and if not, it's completely okay. Um, but did you look at, or is there data on, did different wars uh, affect different uh, veterans differently? So is this, um, do we have good data on whether this is a phenomenon from veterans from a particular war? So I actually found some information, a study that was done at Florida State University as to how suicide rates have changed throughout the different wars. Uh, World War One, it was average about 10 soldiers per 100,000. And Korean War, it was about 11 soldiers per 100,000. Um, it has significantly increased specifically within Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. So it's more of a recent epidemic of veteran suicide rates. So the, the, the prevalence of suicides really has been a function of um, more recent wars then? Yes. Okay, well, that seems like something that we might want to address here in a little bit, but I'll let you get there. Um, so, um, I could cover just a little bit of, of the history of suicide rates. Um, is there more to be said about how this has changed over time or some of the different factors uh, related to suicide over time? I mean, can, is there more of a historical context that you think is important? Um, so all branches of the military have suicide prevention programs and many of them started in the late 80s and 90s. So they recognized it as a problem, but they sort of thought it was only a problem for members of the military that were at the bottom of the barrel. So like the enlisted soldiers, not necessarily a problem that affect, affects someone higher in the ranks. Mm -hmm. um, but in 1996, 
the Chief of Naval, Naval Operations, Jer Admiral Jeremy Borda, committed suicide, and that kind of um, made the military realize that it's not a problem just for people at the bottom, but mm -hmm. it can affect everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so, like I said, they all have suicide prevention programs, but they were not implemented uh, in the right way. They didn't really collaborate with each other. There wasn't any research being done on trends for suicide. So, although they had records, they weren't really analyzing them to base their prevention programs off of. So it's been relatively recent that both it's uh, become as significant of a problem, I would say, in terms of the rate, right? So the military did start to notice some of this um, even earlier, but uh, some of the prevention strategies maybe have not been as useful as we would hope, is sort of what I hear you saying. Yeah, so after um, the Admiral committed suicide, they uh, each branch started to do more research involving uh, suicide behaviors within their branches um, to improve their programs. So they kind of had basic uh, education and training on suicide be suicidal behavior within the military, mm -hmm. but um, it wasn't required, and um, so they just kind of started improving their their prevention programs. Mm -hmm. So it's probably a good kind of early policy to start think a framework for starting to think about these things. What um, did you come across research as to why the uptick? under the most recent wars? I mean, is there is there research out there that you came across that was, that explains the kind of, uh, the growth of the rate of suicides? I think um, our society, the transition is a lot harder for veterans today. Um, again, I wasn't alive 30 years ago, so I don't really know how life was but just as complex as it is today just to live a normal self-sufficient life these veterans are going overseas and they're used to structure they're used to so much structure and then they have to transition to a life of total freedom and i think that the, the transition is getting harder and harder for veterans uh, making it uh, making depression and anxiety and stuff like that much more enticing so yeah, i mean I, I knew that, that that was a target under I believe under the Obama administration was preferential hiring for veterans because there's a stigma against uh, veterans in the labor market. And so one thing that certainly was true as a lot of the veterans was com were coming home was the, particularly by 2008, right, uh, the labor market wasn't so good when they came home. So that could have right. probably um, added to it as well. Uh, one... Thing that I've read, and I don't remember the source, um, but I've, I've read people talk about one of the reasons they think the rates are so high is that um, the survival rate for more is pretty high for American soldiers. And so, whereas in the past, um, a lot of people would have died in active combat, less people are dying in active combat. Um, and so, um, more people are coming home. Um, and um, the other, there was another piece, um, just lost it, um, let's see if it'll come to me, um, hmm. something related to, anyways, um, okay, so give me a little bit more context to this, so this is um, 
um, a, a rate that's going up, which is uh, troubling. Who all does this affect? Um, in relation to who this affects, um, it's quite easy to say that this affects um, everyone, but of course you're gonna, in relation to looking at who it affects, there's gonna be people that it of course affects more than others. Um, and in more specific um, thoughts to that, a lot of people don't really realize that veterans who are affected by those of their own that they know that are, commit suicide, this is just not something to overlook. Like, oh, of course, veterans are going to be um, struggling with PTSD. Of course, uh, veterans are going to be struggling with this um, epidemic that is not just around them, but around um, those that they have served with. Um, like, for example, at the University of Kentucky, they have actually recently discovered that veterans who were exposed to post-suicide trauma due to other veterans that have been committing suicide were actually twice as likely than other veterans um, to score high enough on a depression mm. scale. They were also more than twice as likely to have an anxiety diagnosis. And with 30% of veterans, overall veterans, having considered suicide regardless, you see veterans then who are suicide exposed are much more likely to even consider suicide themselves. Um, so in some dark way, suicide has like network effects. Exactly. If you know it has... someone who's committed suicide, you're, mm -hmm. you're like more likely to commit suicide. Exactly. Because they become essentially more vulnerable to these suicidal thoughts in the wake of a suicide death of a fellow service member that they personally knew, knowing that, oh, I had gone through the same exact situation as they were. I were there during this time. I was there during this time. And knowing that they had followed through with that action makes them exponentially more prevalent to um, becoming vulnerable to those types of dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to tag on to what Jennifer said. She's, she's absolutely right. Um, there was another study done by Florida State University, and they had a survey of over 1,700 um, U.S. servicemen and women. And of the 1,700 um, veterans, 53.1% reported losing a close friend. And throughout the study, they continued to show that of those people who lost a close friend, they were three times more likely to commit suicide themselves. Mm -hmm. And so this is like an exponential problem. You know, one suicide doesn't just affect that person. It affects everyone they knew. Um, and which is why I think we've been seeing an increase in the number of veterans every single day. Because... Mm -hmm. Um, every single person has their own clique, their own fairly large group of people that they know. And mm -hmm. every time they commit suicide, it's just, it's not one person that's affected. Mm -hmm. It's it's a multitude. And so it's, it, yeah, I mean, it has, as, as sort of we mentioned, it has kind of a, a ripple effect, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. a traumatic event for the people who are, are, uh, are still here, right? Right. But I don't want to talk just about suicides as well, but the study continued to show that all these people that are affected, um, that they had increased in depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts themselves for over 25 years after that. Mm -hmm. it so it's not just like a month or two month thing. It can be even a lifetime thing mm -hmm. for a lot of people. The CDC, I actually looked up information on suicide and it said that as you were talking about the network, it said on average uh, each suicide 
the the network of those who are severely affected range between six to thirty two individuals. So if one person commits suicide, all those other people are at higher risk of committing suicide also. Uh, some of the emotional trauma that it is included but is not limited to is anger, guilt, feelings of abandonment, denial, uh, helplessness, and shock. And as mentioned, it's it's a ripple effect on society. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this is a growing problem. It affects a lot of people. And the numbers, uh, kind of the numbers per day are jarring all in of themselves. But when you start thinking about the network effects and you multiply it by the number of people affected um, in some serious way, um, it stacks up uh, pretty quickly. I mean, you could imagine that, um, you know, that there's a real percentage of society that is affected by this, right? And I think even then that within that, when you look at how this affects more than just uh, family and loved ones, there are also a lot of people that this affects that are not constrained by these personal relationships. Like for example, when looking under legal terms, the US Department of Veterans, they hold an extremely large stake in this problem as these are the men and women that are dying at their own hands. And this is the department um, by the United States government that serves these people. And within that, you have different partners that are of also are also of interest to them in relation to health equity or women's health care or research and development. And we also, um, when looking more into this issue, saying who does this affect more than just familial and personal relationships, um, you can also definitely determine the fact that uh, data analysis and uh, scientists and technologists, those that shed light on the certain patterns of suicide characteristics that were never previously detected because these people are are trained in pattern recognition and things like informational management and statistical analysis they are the ones that are helping nonprofits and families and overall just giving out the information to help work on the tools for the future of suicide prevention these are all people that extend far more beyond the network that are affected by this, that are wanting to help, that are wanting to help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some different ways to say help, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's take this point to shift. Um, you were mentioning um, uh, per- suicide prevention. Mm -hmm. So I imagine a big piece of how we might address the suicide rate is through suicide prevention. Um, What types of solutions or suggestions did your group come up with for ways to lower this rate specifically in the veteran community? So one of the big things that we found was um, like going to this this project, I mean, I didn't really know of any Good solution. You just see the problem everyone, social media and the mainstream media. And so I started Googling solutions and there's some really effective solutions. The only problem is that veterans don't know about these services. And a lot of these solutions come from nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, let me give you an example. There's a nonprofit called Stop Soldier Suicide. And what Stop Soldier Suicide focuses on is the root of the suicidal thought for veterans. So instead of just handing these people more prescriptions and saying, come back in three months, they 
they create relationships with these people. Mm-hmm. They they sit down and they actually talk to them and say, okay, how are you doing this week? Okay, how are you doing today? And these studies have shown that if you can form a relationship with these people, they feel like they're not alone anymore. Mm-hmm. They feel like that it's not just them. They have a vast majority of people that are behind them, that are rooting for them, that care about them, you know, that are even praying for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has shown a, a significant relationship of um, uh, suicide prevention. And so what Stop Soldier Side Stop Soldier Suicide also does is it can also serve as like a like an operator for veterans. So they'll, they'll come and you know if they're struggling with like sensory disorders or physical disorders or mental disorders, they can refer them to better care. So instead of waiting in long, long lines and waiting months at the VA, they can get much better care faster. Um, so a big solution would be for the government to put this in the hands of nonprofit mm-hmm. because people do care. They really do. And there has been a lot of people just coming together and volunteering and donating towards these nonprofits. And they have been much, much, much more effective uh, than the VA has been. And so are there any other examples of, uh, uh, I, I agree with you that um, nonprofits, I think, in this space are very important. They're much more uh, able to adapt. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about passing legislative changes. They don't. They have resource constraints, but different types of resource constraints. And so are there others? I mean, I think this is a, is a, is a good one that you highlight, the Stop Soldier Suicide. Are there any other uh, particularly interesting nonprofits that you came across as part of your research? Yeah, another one is Mission 22. I don't know if y'all have heard about the 22 push-up challenge. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. If you, if you That's funny around social media, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd see The Rock doing it. You saw uh, Chris Pratt, <laughs> Kevin yeah. Hart. Um, and so these nonprofits, they're good at creating social media trends. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was the last time you saw a government a- agency like the IRS <laughs> create a social media trend? Um, it just doesn't happen. That's a good point. So NASA these, maybe every once in a while, just uh, because okay. it's NASA. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. <laughs> we had we had some disagreements in class this semester about NASA, so it was a little bit of an inside joke. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Continue. Yeah. So, <laughs> so these nonprofits are they can innovate. They can uh, use social media. Um, they can spread awareness much, much more faster mm-hmm. than uh, than the government can. Um, and so, yeah, Mission Twenty Two is they um, they did the Twenty Two Push Up Challenge, and that brought in a lot of donations. But they also, uh, again, they seek to create relationships mm-hmm. with these people. And I think when it comes down to it, that's the thing that's going to turn this thing around. Yeah, it seems like uh, suicide in particular. Um, the the feeling like you're alone. I, mean, I don't know the research, but it, it just intuitively um, feels like um, people that have a stronger social network and feel um, not alone uh, would probably reduce that to your point. I mean, just giving people medication um, doesn't seem to really be getting at the root of why someone uh, would, would want to commit suicide. And so I think it's, I, I really like these more um, um, these solutions that are more um, engaged that have actually like people care right um, and I, so I think these are really important pieces in communities to helping protect against uh, for, for suicide prevention yeah I feel like you know the pills they, they take care of the symptoms mm-hmm. of the problem they don't they don't take care of the root of the problem mm-hmm. and I think that's what these nonprofits are really getting at another great nonprofit is pause for veterans mm-hmm. um, what they've been doing is they've been again, 
innovating. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been using service dogs to do highly complicated tasks uh, for these veterans. Uh, these dogs aren't just emotional support animals. They are extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. They can help out with um, sleep uh, disturbance, memory loss, panic, anxiety, medication reminder. They can help out with anger and rage, muscle aches. Um, so these mm-hmm. dogs are ex- exactly, That's yeah. really interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I knew that uh, they were good at sort of guiding and right. kind of being there for calming effects, but I didn't realize all the different types of skills that they could uh, right. learn. That's and pretty again, cool. I have no idea how they do it, but they <laughs> yeah. can. They can. Um, and so what these dogs are able to do is they're really able to help um, these veterans. Um, and then they almost have like a 24-7 um, like a service person mm-hmm. like next to them helping them out. Um, but the most, again, I want to go back to relationships. The most interesting point for the pause for veterans is that they said it's not what the dog can do. It's just simply the dog loving the person. Mm-hmm. That's what uh, really, really helps these veterans mm-hmm. and, again, prevents suicide. Yeah, I mean, having a companion feeling common yeah. love for other um, other uh, animals or companions mm-hmm. seems, again, to your kind of theme here, uh, one that it, on its face seems like uh, a pretty good strategy for suicide prevention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, go ahead. So current legislation that's going through the House and the Senate currently is the Pause Act. And, okay. it's, and it's related to what we were just discussing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually to fund the VA to provide service dogs for severe PTSD cases. Um, the PAUSE Act is important because not only does it decrease the suicide rate of post 9-11 veterans with mental health disorders, but it also covers the cost of the dog, pairing the veteran with the dog, which is approximately $25,000, the training, travel expenses, it provides health insurance for the dog to ensure that it's able to fill the service role in the veteran's life. This was originally introduced by Cole Lyle, which is an A&M graduate. He currently works on Capitol Hill. Um, and he was a big advocate for this. He struggled with PTSD and the VA prescribed a prescription opioid cocktail, as he referred to it after his discharge from the Marine Corps. And he was contemplating suicide and that it ultimately came down to another Marine Corps service member stepped in and stopped it. Um, At that point, he went off the medication. He went with a service dog, which he funded himself through his family and friends. Um, So the dog's name is Kaya, Mm -hmm. and she's often known as the most influential person, her dog, (laughs) on Capitol Hill. Um, She has been there with him when he's testified before Congress. And she is able to stop symptoms that he experiences, help calm him down when he gets nervous, or different things mm-hmm. to include waking him up when he's having a nightmare and things like that. Um, I think this is really important that the VA is considering expanding having PTSD dogs mm-hmm. and service dogs because it has proven, even within nonprofits, that veterans are able not only to be reliant on prescription drugs but often most times get off of them completely and rely on a service dog it's really fascinating i like these sort of um uh these sort of creative approaches i mean in a in an environment when it's hard to imagine major legislative changes at the federal level 
um, and significant changes in funding for the Veterans Health Administration, which is something that I want to at least briefly mention. Um, I like the use of nonprofits um, and some of these creative using service animals, ways to um, to kind of fill this in because I, I, I don't. Um, I don't know that there's more funding coming down the line um, at the VHA level. And so something I want to talk a little bit about, and I don't, uh, can't remember how much you covered it in your report, um, but uh, previous groups um, in this class have covered some of the inefficiencies of the Veterans Health Administration. And now part of this is a backup in services from the VHA. And so did you think or did you come across any of that as well about how the Veterans Health Administration is supposed to be the entity providing these suicide prevention tools, providing um, care to the veterans, but they don't seem to be able to do that consistently well. And so did you come across any research on that uh, from your project? Um, I guess I should point out that suicide as a problem was only taken on by the VA recently, within the last decade. Um, the suicide crisis hotline for veterans has only been around for eight years or so. Um, and so, because it's so recent, they, although they are understaffed and underfunded, um, they haven't, I don't think they've had time to gather their bearings yet. Um, however, they're, because they are understaffed, I know one of our solutions was to allow um, veterans to go and use their primary care physician. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that can solve some of the the workload that they often experience. So kind of giving them like an uh, like a voucher or an insurance voucher to use regular hospitals or the primary care physician is that kind of the yeah what you would be suggesting? So the veteran, the VA actually has a program currently, it's called the Veterans Choice Program, but it's it has severe limitations. Like uh, there has to be no appointments within the VA within 30 days. You have to travel more than 40 miles to receive care. Travel must include boat, ferry, or air transportation, and excessive burden exists on geographical challenges, environmental factors or existing medical conditions that would hinder one's travel to an appointment. Oftentimes you have to meet multiple of these in order to receive outside care. So one of our solutions was expanding the veteran's choice because not a lot of veterans trust the VA. And that stems a lot from our experience with military doctors. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a challenge that we see could be better taken care of as an efficient resource to expand the program that we could choose a primary care physician of our choice, one that often would rather do therapy and things like that rather than relying on prescription medications to just subdue the, the mental effects rather than actually treating the problem. And I think even then to expand upon that, like you were saying how, and how Leah was referring as to this is a more recent um, issue, um, they actually, in 2007, which is not that long ago when you think about it, about 10 years ago, uh, the VA has actually uh, created a resource that connects uh, veterans and service members in crisis and their families and friends with um, responders through a confidential toll-free hotline. It's the Veterans Crisis Hotline, and all veterans, as well as current active duty service members, as well as their family, loved ones, anyone who is affected 
by this emotionally in some way, they are able to call this free and confidential support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And what's interesting about this in comparison to what um, Erica has just mentioned is that this is immediate. This is here, this is at any point. This is not bound by whether or not you are registered with the VA. Um, and since their launch, they've answered nearly 3 million calls and initiated dispatch of emergency services nearly 75,000 times, which is an incredible amount. And so two years later in 2009, they actually created um, an online chat service in case people get stage fright from, mm -hmm. they don't wanna talk on the phone, they just wanna be alone. Um, and they've participated in more than 330,000 uh, chats and then Two years following that, in 2011, making the service a little bit more tech savvy, I would say they uh, released the text messaging service and to this day have responded to more than 67,000 texts. And so it's really incredible having this around the clock, confidential, specially trained help that they either would need in the middle of the night or the middle of the afternoon. But it's also very interesting how it's slowly starting to be a lot more savvy in relation to where our um, society is going, at least in technology-wise, mm -hmm. having it where you can text, you can online chat, you can simply call. Um, and it's just interesting to kind of see on how that is done so well because it's technology-based, yet when we want to try and do things face-to-face -face through VA or through medical help and things will take months, so, or you have to go through all these kinds of loopholes and it's a lot, very frustrating for a lot of people. So um, it's just something interesting to think about how they do some things just very, very well. And even then just thinking about, well, is a 70 year old veteran easily gonna be texting? I mean, I'm not judging the older generation with their tech savviness and, that, but just stereotypically, you do see a lot of the um, younger generation being leaned to that, which, I mean, I understand that appeal here, but it's just all interesting to view as um, technology grows and we advance more in society and just seeing the differences all within that. Yeah, it, it um, again, I like this. I like the, the sort of creative solutions you're highlighting um, because I, I it, Again, it doesn't seem like there's going to be systematic overhaul of this at the federal level. Um, it's been a persistent challenge. And so it's it's kind of interesting and great to hear about different types of kind of community-led efforts or nonprofit-led efforts. Um, and there are some models that can be um, replicated. Um, so what, um, what different types of things could or would you encourage listeners to do relation in relation to this, I mean, general awareness I think is a is a piece which is what we're trying to do with this. But um, what else? So I would recommend, um, yeah, like you said, awareness. So like as we talked about earlier, you see a lot of numbers comparing the veteran suicide rate with civilian suicide rate. But I disagree. I, th I don't think you can really compare those. In fact, I think they're complementary to each other. I think that the veteran suicide rate is a big driver of the civilian suicide rate. Um, and this is only getting bigger. I think people who, who see the statistics, they see the numbers, and they see how big of a problem this is, 
they look at themselves and they go, wow, it's going to take a solution much bigger than myself to fix this. And so they kind of sit on the sidelines and they watch it unfold from their laptops or their phones. Um, but we need to have a different approach. We need to say, okay, what can we do every day? What can we do in every moment? Okay, let's not look at the big picture. Let's take the small steps first so that way we're actually taking steps. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so if you've listened to this and if you feel like, uh, wow, I want to help. I, mm -hmm. I want to do something about that. These men and women that are serving me, that are you know, dedicating their lives to the military, like I want them to feel loved. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel uh, that that a life is better than no life. Like mm -hmm. I feel like that's not an argument someone has to make. That sure. life is good. Yeah. So things you can do. Um, first off, you can donate to a nonprofit of your choice. Um, every single website that I've been to um, has have very very easy. You can do it online. You can send a check. Whatever you want to do, a good one is the Wounded Warrior Project. Um, it's a very popular one. If you have more time, you can volunteer with nonprofits. Um, as we were talking about, there's a suicide prevention hotline. Once again, is a nonprofit mm -hmm. um, that gives 24 hours um, uh, service to people who need to call if they're having these suicidal thoughts or they're feeling depression or anxiety. Um, and so they can train you, and you can be a volunteer for that. But you know, if you have kids, if you have a job, if you don't have a lot of time, you know, that's fine. Uh, you can spread awareness through your social media profiles. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these nonprofits had pretty amazing statistics, pretty amazing graphics. All you got to do is copy and paste. Mm -hmm. So you can put that on your social media profiles. Um, and then lastly, if, if, if you don't have any social media profiles, if you don't have any time or if you don't have any money, that's fine. You can install a green light bulb on your front porch. So there's a nonprofit called Green Light of Vet. Um, and a very, very successful social media can campaign raising awareness and how they raised awareness was if you install a green light bulb on your front porch, it shows that you are dedicated to helping um, mm, okay. servicemen and women. And it also shows that, that you support them, that they yeah. are not alone. Um, because that was one of the main reasons of these suicidal thoughts coming up was people did feel alone. Mm -hmm. So if they see a green light, they know they're not alone. That's some cool, some so more. It's kind super of... easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, good. I'm glad to see there are a, a number of choices. Are there other, sort of getting close to time to wrap up, are there other things that you would like to add? Um, one additional thing for how normal citizens can oh, yeah. do something. Uh, Smile.amazon.com is a way that we can actually donate a, course, a portion of the net sale to a foundation of our choice. There's a lot of ones like Battle Buddy and different veteran-sponsored ones that actually fund service dogs or mental health resources or whatnot. Um, one additional solution that I have based on personal experience would be automatic enrollment to the VA upon military discharge or in the transition process. Veterans often have two weeks to two days during the transition process to which if we are able to provide a constant um, access to care. We mm -hmm. can prevent lapse in coverage. Uh, we are able to diagnose and treat PTSD, TBIs, which is a traumatic brain injury, and depression, which also limits uh, psychological problems, including suicide. Early treatment often can be the, the best way to help prevent suicide and just getting the the knowledge out there it can help improve relationships and marriages 
and also can reduce homelessness. All right. Other um, other things that would be useful for the audience to know as we wrap up. I, mean, I think this is a this is this is kind of fun. I think because there are lots of ways in which people can be helpful if they'd like yeah. to be. Um, there are some quality nonprofits, as the as you all have highlighted, um, and some ways that people can make actual actions to help help with this. So, um, any other things you'd like to mention? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see this plan out. Uh, Facebook has become uh, an interesting tool. They've been analyzing patterns of posts um, and seeing how that can relate to uh, suicide prevention. The only problem is that these veterans have to opt in mm -hmm. to this. Um, and so there's some um, a big push by Facebook so that they can monitor every post and that veterans don't have to opt in because there might be veterans that would like it. They just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out um, with uh, privacy and stuff like that. I saw a, a, an article on, I think on this as well. So that they were going to use artificial intelligence kind of bots to track live, like Facebook live, any instances where the um, kind of triggers for suicide were present. Um, so it'll be, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how those tools yeah. help shift this, yeah. excuse me, help, help shift this conversation. I just would like to say to mention that statistics are important and because I was uh, looking through a big amount of data and statistics mm -hmm. it is very easy to get loose to get mm -hmm. lost in numbers so in some point you can um, just analyze these based on numbers but as I said statistics are important in order to understand the scope and to design strategies but we cannot forget that the interpretation of these numbers needs to be accompanied by the study of the human behavior and more specifically to know that each case is different because we read a lot of articles that have generalized solutions but we need to understand that each case is different and we cannot compare uh, two different uh, races or ages or religions and mm -hmm. you know there are so many different factors that can affect and um, um, that should be the goal for uh, the different uh, nonprofits mm -hmm. and also for all the governmental uh, resources that's another nice thing of some of the decentralized approaches is that they can be more customized to the individual cases, I think. We know that it requires a lot of effort and we know that it requires a lot of resources, specifically uh, funding, and that's why uh, it should be um, something important to discuss when uh, people in charge of the budget of the nation could take in consideration. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice if we could have change at that level as well. I think as one of the final wrap-ups that I have is that the majority of suicides are preventable and if we know the warning signs we are able to get help for those who we know that potentially could be suicidal or are struggling with different mental health challenges and things like that. Additionally, veterans are at the greatest risk of suicide within the first three years of discharge and that's also something that we can watch for within that critical time period. Yeah, it seems like a, a big piece of this too is just paying attention to the transition like we were talking about earlier and making sure there are health care services 
as veterans transition back into civilian life. Um, well, thank you for covering this issue. Um, I agree with the group that um, this is this is important. I think it's um, you know uh, uh, you come across some of these issues and they're often hard to, to stomach. Um, this is uh, in society we seem to be less concerned about sending people to war, but um, uh, more concerned with sending people to war and less concerned about taking care of them when they come home. And I think sometimes that says unfortunate things about the society. And so I think that we need to raise awareness to this so that at least people are aware of the issue and can choose how to respond how they want. Because um, it seems um, just, a, a, again, something that we shouldn't be okay with as a society, right? So thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing your report with us. And uh, maybe we can find an excuse to do this again sometime. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Season 2 of the Public Problems Podcast. If you would like to help support this podcast, you can do so by sharing the episodes with your friends, family, students, and liking our page and following along as we do live events. You can also support the Public Problems Podcast financially by subscribing to the podcast at justinbullock.org slash subscribe or by clicking the Shop Now button on our Facebook page. Here you can pick any monthly subscription or single donation amount that you'd like to contribute. Any support is greatly appreciated. I very much believe in this podcast and its content and hope to make it more visible and have more time to spend on it in the future. Thank you very much.